Welcome to Vallejo's Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast on Sunday, November 17, 2019. The Reverend Wendy Kamori Stager is preaching. Her message this Sunday is Jonah, the successful prophet. The Bible this morning is from the Old Testament, Jonah chapters 3, 1 through 10, and chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Please join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, you inspire us. You move inside our souls. As we seek to hear you clearly this day, brush away any of our thoughts, our agendas, our perspectives, so that we can hear the divine perspective your voice. Use the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts for your purpose. Amen. Thanksgiving is almost here. I'm assuming, but most of us by now have plans or at least some options or invitations of places to go. It's Thanksgiving. We eat. We gather together. It's a pretty inclusive holiday, right? It's not a specifically Christian or Jewish holiday. It's, it's this American tradition of gathering around the table. And also, though, we would be remiss to not acknowledge that it can be difficult, too. Some families and friends will gather, and there's the felt absence of a loved one who won't be at the table for the first time that year, or maybe has been missing from the table for years, but whose absence is still felt keenly. Some family and friends will gather and notice how the family has changed, how a grown daughter is spending with the in-laws, or young adults who live far away and don't have the time and money to travel and get back at that particular time. And so a day meant to bring people together then also highlights where the fractures and the splits are. This time of loving, reunion, hallmark, look, we're all around the table, then also points out the places where there is some distance and some estrangement. I feel this pain personally as there's an ongoing conflict in my extended family where two people are not speaking or speaking to one another or even willing to stand under the same roof. There's a pressure to pick sides, that sort of if you're not for me, you're against me attitude. Well, you need to listen to my side of the story. Oh, well, what you need to understand is, and, well, they never listen to me. And it's sad because there are family members who are looking at other family members as the enemy. It starts to feel like a war with battle lines drawn in the sand. The weapons are not guns, though. The weapons are hostile stares, words, cold silence and withdrawal. And even if there's not estrangement in your family like there is in, my, in mine, we're in a rather um, 
polarizing political time? Can I just name that, right? And there will be people at the Thanksgiving table who do not agree with you about impeachment and who do not agree with you about Trump. And maybe there are even some of you or a part of you that goes, ooh, I would just rather not go. I would rather not enter into that fray. Perhaps you feel like you're the lone liberal among conservatives or the lone Fox News fan among the NPR folks or you're the lone sensible person against those insane other people. <laughs> Which only means maybe you are more like Jonah than you had imagined or wanted to admit. For clearly, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to be the only Hebrew in a city full of non-Hebrews. He did not want to walk deep into enemy territory. They had already caused harm to one another. And he had heard the news stories, not the fake news stories, but the news stories, right, about how violent and powerful the Ninevites were. And even though he was fearful to go, he also didn't want to go because he didn't want to help the other side. And he didn't want to be a voice in the middle of there. But after unsuccessfully trying to flee by boat, after unsuccessfully trying to get out of his job, even after unsuccessfully trying to drown, and even, un even after a huge fish vomits him back up onto the beach, he goes. God commands Jonah a second time to go to Nineveh, and this time he gets up and he goes. He goes, and his message is, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he says. I mean, this, this is like the shortest prophecy, right? You got all these prophetic books. You got like 60-something chapters of Isaiah. He just goes on and on and on. Listen to me, you people. Come back to God. Here's all this rich imagery, right? This is a rather um, wimpy prophecy in the lands of things that prophets might be sent to go tell a city. It's, what, seven, eight words in our English translation. It's only five words in Hebrew, it gives no direction or encouragement for the Ninevites to do anything. Right? It's not a good sales pitch. A good sales pitch always has that call to action. There's no call to action. 40 days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. He's not even expecting the Ninevites to do anything. And as I did it in our scripture reading and our drama, I read it as a flat statement because I don't think that Jonah is trying very hard. He's putting in the bare, minimal effort. And yet, the people of Nineveh, in verse 5, they believed God. Notice they didn't believe Jonah. They believed God. They heard a bit of God's verse. And then even the king gets convicted in his heart, makes this decree, and boom! 
Nineveh changes. And God saw that Nineveh had changed and did not overthrow Nineveh as Jonah's five-word prophecy had dictated that God would. So this makes Jonah the most super successful prophet ever, right? I mean, how many other people, how many other prophets were able to turn this entire city of enemies' hearts back to God? Jonah, you think, would be the hero of this story, that the king would have him as a guest in the house to say thank you for your message. It's a new day. But no. What is Jonah doing? He was, what does this say? Verse, um, where'd it go? Verse four, uh, four, chapter one, verse four. This is very displeasing to Jonah. Okay, that sounds rather euphemistic, right? This is displeasing to Jonah. No, he is pissed off displeasing. This is when like the translation like just doesn't help you. That the Hebrew is he's burning in his nostrils. Right? That's that's the literal translation. Don't you don't you remember the, the cartoons where they show the person who's like the steam is coming out their ears and they're turning bright red and their eyes bug out? Jonah is not celebrating. Jonah is stomping up and down, bent out of shape, hopping mad, livid. And why? Because Jonah knows on some academic level, some I learned this in temple school level, that God is indeed gracious and slow to anger, loving, And Jonah refuses to join in. He can see God's loving the Ninevites. God has indeed extended that love. And I think he's a little pissed off because he's like, oh, fine, you're on their side now? You're going to love those Ninevites? Well, obviously then you don't love me. He can't seem to accept the idea that God might be on his side too. And he'd rather be angry at God than recognizing God's larger grace. It's true, though, when we're in that angry state where the burning is coming out of our nostrils, we don't see very well. It happens, though. Pastor Miles McPherson a megachurch pastor in San Diego and pastor of The Rock, one of the most diverse country, churches in the country where the congregation matches the demographics of the diverse city and area of San Diego. He leads what he actually self-describes as a Skittles church, you know, those multicolored candies, right? Lots of different colors, all the side in one bag. So then when the shooting of a black man, Alfred Olongo, by a police officer happened on September 27, 2016, there was anger in the city. And there was anger on all sides. And he, this pastor, biracial, black and white man, who already had close ties to the police department, 
was showing up at the police department to be a pastoral presence, but getting yelled at by a young African-American man. Bleep you. Bleep the rock church. And then he sat with the other pastors on staff at the same church. White pastors who had family members who had to go to work in riot gear who are fearing for their lives. African-American pastors frustrated with yet another shooting of an unarmed African-American man. And in that time of deep anger, if you showed support for the police department, then you were characterized as being against the blacks. On the other side, if you expressed support for the person who was shot, you are automatically categorized as hating the police. So what is a pastor to preach on a Sunday morning to a Skittles church? Here's what he did. He set up five chairs at the front of the church around the table. I don't know if it was around the Lord's table, but he set it around the table. One of those chairs he labeled the police. And he stood behind it and he explained, most police, most of those individuals are trying to do the right thing. Police are human beings with families, with hopes, with dreams. And there are some bad cops, but are those bad cops ruining the reputation of 99% of the good cops? He went to the next chair, and he labeled this one justified, saying this chair represents all the people who felt like the recent shooting had some justification behind it. There were legal reasons, and that the police officer did what he was trained to do under those circumstances, and that there were thousands of people in the church, thousands of faithful Christians who were willing to sit in that chair. But he went to the third chair. This one's labeled unjustified, saying this chair represents people who believe that the police officer acted prematurely in shooting the man. And again, there were thousands of faithful Christians, people sitting in the in the sanctuary that very day, who were willing to sit in that chair. The next chair he had, he had draped a red cloth on it, saying this chair represents the liar, the capital L, the instigator, the accuser, the spirit of division, challenging everyone to choose a side. The liar is the one who stirs up negative rhetoric about those who don't believe what you believe, those who don't hold all your same views. The liar tells you, eh, you must not agree, let alone talk with the other folks. The liar surrounds you with people who agree with you and reinforce the same position in an echo chamber. Pastor Miles preached this. What is ironic about the liar is that he's speaking to both sides of the argument, turning one side against the other. 
So he moves to the fifth chair, calling this the chair of unity, the chair of the heart of God. It's what he labels as the third option. It's not for or against. It's not black or white. It's not African-American victim or the police. It's not if you're not for me, you're against me. It's not us or them. It is God's perspective. Where God says, I'm not going to stand on the side of your divisions. I only stand on my side. Pastor Miles preaches about the call to honor the presence of God that dwells in each and every person we meet. It's a call to see people through God's eyes. And even though we human beings are imperfect in this, to stand and sit in this fifth chair is to be humble enough to submit our perspectives and to live by God's perspective. A friend once described to me that humility is not me surrendering to you or you surrendering to me. It's both of us turning and surrendering to God. And he left his congregation not with answers but with questions. The questions of what is in your heart toward people who don't agree with you? Are you yourself willing to honor another's right to be heard? Are you willing to acknowledge their pain and to learn about another's perspective? I think this is helpful because it reminds us that it starts here. It starts with you and me, it starts with us, people who are actually coming to worship and seeking God's perspective for our lives. It's not about how they need to change. They're not the ones sitting here seeking God. It's about what, where we can be listening, where we can be examining our own hearts. God doesn't give Jonah a lecture He does ask Jonah to reflect and slow down and to face how he's feeling in that moment. And so this year, when you are at Thanksgiving, or perhaps at work, or with friends, or even at coffee hour right after worship, and you start to hear sides being taken, What is your response going to be? What perspective do you want to hold? Because Jonah isn't the hero in the story. I mean, I know the book's named after Jonah. But the pissed off, yelling at God guy, he's not the hero of this story. The hero of the story is God. God, the one who holds and demonstrates that unconditional, steadfast, forgiving love. At least that's who I want to make my hero. What about you? Thanks be to God.
You have been listening to Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Community Presbyterian Church and its ministries, come visit us at 2800 Georgia Street in Vallejo, California, or visit our website, cpcvallejo.org. You can also email us at cpcvallejo at sbcglobal.net. Have a blessed day.